The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This special edition of Talk of Champions with just Brian Scott Rippey and Colin Brister is brought to you by Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. What is up and welcome in. This is Talk of Champions. I am not Ben Garrett. I am Brian Scott Rippey. And sitting in my chair is Colin Brister. Uh, we are filling in for Ben today. We appreciate everyone rolling in on a Wednesday. As far as plans for the show, I just figured we would roast Ben for like 30 minutes. Do you have anything negative to say? No, I mean, yeah, but I, I have to sit there and think about it. No, it, it, uh, it, it brought back old memories, though. When, when you said, what is up, you know, that, that, that collected that trigger that I had for six months when we did our old podcast. Yeah, that's what I was about to get into is what kind of insidious uh, podcast circle this is here because we used to do a podcast together, then you and Ben did a podcast together, and then you got another job, and then me and Ben started doing a podcast together. So I don't know what kind of like cycle you would call this, but the band is kind of back together on another platform. More more wow. incestuous Ole Miss media or NFL coaching staffs? Uh, we're, this podcast, uh, circle is giving, or whatever shape you want to call it, is giving NFL coaching staffs a run for their money. That is for sure. But we are filling in for Ben Garrett today, and we have a lot to talk about. I'm looking forward to the show. We hadn't caught up in, uh, in, in a long time. It's been a few months since we did a pod. Did we do one? It, our last one was the day after the egg balls. It's been six or so. Yeah. No, yeah. no, you filled in one more for me because Borky had an engagement. That's right. That's engagement. right. It was when That's the right. day Kiffin landed. It was the uh, because a couple hours later, I went from doing a podcast with you to writing a story about a guy who handed Kiffin his baby and told him oh, to get a murder right. phone. That guy's had an active uh, quarantine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, yes, what a weird day. But uh, <laughs> neither here nor there. We got a bunch to get into today. We'll uh, we'll hit on some state flag. Um, stuff because that's been prevalent as it pertains to Ole Miss athletics yeah. uh, over the last week or so in particular. Eli Manning is having his number retired. That's uh, certainly newsworthy. And something that I kind of looked up when I saw the release stand was like, 
Uh, I didn't know. Like, I feel like this should have already happened. I guess I knew it hadn't <laughs> happened yet because I would have known if it had. Uh, and then Ole Miss landed a defensive line commit uh, that we'll get to that is eligible immediately and has three years to play two. Um, all that being said, what do you want to start with? The flag, I mean, Eli, take your pick at him. I, I, think, I, think we need to start, I think we need to start with the flag um, just because, I mean, I think it's the most important topic um, going forward. I mean, the other two obviously important, but I don't think they're going to impact, you know, future athletic events, whereas this flag bill is getting interesting. And I don't, yes. I don't like using that word, but it, that's what it is. It is very fascinating. And the way that all of this kind of, uh, or should I say, formulated or came to be towards the end of last week, and you can feel free to correct me if I don't have the timeline perfectly, but I'm pretty sure generally uh, Greg Sankey goes on Feinbaum on what I believe is a Wednesday and says basically that he would consider withholding SEC championship events from states that flew the confederate flag did he say mississippi directly i can't remember at this point i'm pretty sure they said the state of mississippi yes correct directly which is good on sankey like in terms of like taking a stance on and having a noble and admirable stance but in all actuality it was kind of toothless because what sec championships is this state going to hold well i get what you're saying but i mean I mean, they, they do host the softball tournament. They do host tennis, SEC tournaments. They were going to host track and field. I get it. Not That's major. very fair. Smaller sports I didn't really think about because um, softball is very, uh, very fair. But I was just kind of thinking I, – I, I was having trouble out loud just because both men's and women's basketball well, are obviously bigger cities, neutral sites. I was having trouble thinking, like, what they may host. Well, no, where this doesn't uh, – you know, it doesn't impact the SEC monetarily-wise from a Mississippi standpoint. It does the CUSA. Biloxi hosting that tournament, um, that the CUSA baseball tournament is a money market for them. And, and the CUSA has told Mississippi that they'll no longer host it there uh, if they don't change the state flag. That hurts them uh, bigly. Yep, it, it, it certainly does. And then really uh, kind of transitioning into the to when this story really started to gain steam, that was kind of the launching off point. And then the next day, the NCAA amended their policy about having postseason events in states that whose emblem uh, like dons the Confederate flag. And yep. in the in the in the statement, it literally said Mississippi is the only state that uh, applies to basically this current uh, this this amending in the ruling, which is kind of yep. interesting because Georgia probably actually should. Qualified, yeah, right. Because should, Georgia yes. actually had the normal Confederate flag. Correct. Uh, it, it's just kind of hiding in plain sight. Yeah, it, it, it should apply to Georgia. I struggle with a lot of people that are say that that's focus goes on to because I, I mean, I'm just keeping it real. I'm, I'm very, very pro change the flag, uh, change it yesterday. Um, I struggle with a lot of people that say, you know, to, to these, you know, ultimatums, because that's what they are. Well, what about Georgia? Fix your own house first, you know, like, yes, Georgia should be included, but also like maybe deal with your own crap first. Uh, agreed a hundred percent, but it is kind of interesting that as infamous or whatever you want to call it as the stars and bars have become that that was not the primary flag of the Confederacy. It was, a different one, which you kind of see in the top left corner of Georgia's current state flag, if my understanding of that history and how that transpired is correct. But all of that really is neither here nor there. What's what's significant about this is this is now impacting 
the two SEC schools in this state, Ole Miss and Mississippi State's ability to host postseason events. That Southern is two. Base, Southern yeah. two. Oh, yeah, because I guess it's NCA now at yeah. this point. De- and not. Delta, I tell you one, people forget is Delta State. I know, you know, D2, those people, they're, Cleveland makes a ton of money off of hosting regionals that they can't host right now. Once the NCA weighed in on this thing, uh, you just kind of corrected me there. It, it's everyone. It's yeah. Ole Miss hosting softball regionals. It's Mississippi State hosting women's basketball regionals. Yep. It's obviously all three schools plus Delta State hosting postseason events. Like, that's when, when this came out on Friday, this is really when this seemed to kind of get real. And it was like, okay, this is actually going to become a legitimate issue uh, if this is not changed. And so, of course, debate. Is, is it really a debate, though? It seems like debate waged on throughout the weekend about what was going to be done and how quickly it needs to be done. But I, I'm just not seeing much pushback on the other side in terms of, like, obviously people that don't actually have a say in it. It seems to be a very one-sided debate. I, I, I get what you're saying, and I would, you know, from public reaction. But, man, you go go read some, you know, uh, news site Facebook comments. There, There is a, a large group of people, and, you know, they have this reason or they have the right to believe this that the flag shouldn't change um i don't understand it but they have that that right to believe that i i would be scared to death honestly as as a mississippian to put this to a vote in the public i i I just would i don't think it necessarily would fail but i don't necessarily think it would pass right now either i would be i i I don't feel like i'm like educated enough to speak to like what would like whether it would pass or not you obviously you hope it would pass and, and sure. you finally get rid of this flag the uh the side of this i don't understand is and i've seen this from uh decision makers and people who kind of are in power uh often kind of point to the uh vote that happened in 2001 oh i am now 25 years old are you 26 or 27 i just turned 27 oh okay happy late birthday and <laughs> uh but in 2001 I was five going on six. I was playing coach pitch baseball. I was about to say, I don't know what you were doing, but I don't really remember what I was doing at Eating age dirt. five. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, you know, pushing kids off monkey bars on the playground, just kind of running the is show that, there. Is that back I, when you could bully kids, Rip? Yes, exactly. And then when everyone else grew from like second to eighth grade, <laughs> it was just a rough go of it for your boy. But point being is that, I just don't like 2001 does not seem nearly recent enough to point to well, we already had this conversation, uh, mainly because it was almost two decades ago at this point, And that is a long, long time. Agreed. Um, my my issue becomes then, OK, um, what if we vote on it and it fails? We're going to have to wait two more decades. Um, and, and I think that just craters. I mean, I'll just put this out there. How if you're Ole Miss? Look, Mike Bianco and Carl Lafferty and you and, and Mike Clement have your opinion on them, you know, going to Omaha enough times or whatever. Those dudes for, for the scholarship limitations they have are mad men at recruiting. How do you recruit to not being able to host a regional? I don't think you can. Yeah, I think that one's certainly tough. And what like, putting this in a sports perspective, I, just let it be said, I guess, before we kind of get off in the weeds in this. Yeah. Sports and college baseball in particular is very like this state is very college baseball craze. Everyone loves it here. All four programs are good. Ole Miss State, Southern Miss and Delta State. It pro- sports probably should not be a Absolutely. major driving factor in this. But the reality is it is. And 
if that's the way it gets the flag changed, then so be it. Like, it probably shouldn't be that way. But whatever, it is. Sports are important to the people of this state. The state, in particular, loves college baseball. And, you know, in other cases, too. I mean, they support the softball team as well when they do well. It's just not limited to baseball. But baseball being the most popular in this state, uh, this is going to be a major driving force. And you brought up the point earlier of whether or not a vote would pass. I think this has significant implications on whether a vote would pass because oh, yeah. if you're going to tell a lot of people in this state they can't host regionals and super regionals I don't know if that's like you'd be naive to think that's not going to sway some people's opinion I guess is what I'm trying to say if you imagine Ole Miss because I think I think we both agree they're going to have one of the best teams fives ever had next year uh, maybe the best can you imagine having to take this team to like Dallas Baptist in a road regional because of a freaking flag? <laughs> or, can you imagine? Well, okay, co- okay. Could you host somewhere else? Could you host Memphis or Hoover? Can you okay. imagine? I, I'm just gonna. I'm, I'll finish my own thought there. Could you imagine uh, going to cover the team in Hoover for a week and then just camping there for another because that's where the regional is? Does the team come home to Oxford or they just stay in Hoover? Well, yeah, do they, yeah, because do they drive home for the selection so and then drive back? Like, I, I don't know how that works. But can you well, host? The, here's your problem with that. State's got to go somewhere, too, in this scenario. So I think State would go to Hoover and Ole Miss would try to go to Memphis. Yeah, that's what I think would probably happen as well, that's which is just kind of crazy to think about. But you're, to your point, you brought it up a second ago. A lot of times you see this with teams, particularly on the West Coast, maybe smaller schools that have really good baseball teams, that they have a really good year. They're worthy of hosting a regional, but they don't have the facilities. So they're a one seed and someone else is regional. But nine times out of ten, correct me if I'm wrong, that's usually when there's another host site available in close proximity. So, like, would Ole Miss ever go to a Dallas Baptist as a one seed somewhere that far? So nobody's gone as a one seat on the road in like 10 years or so. What has happened is teams will go like, for example, you see Santa Barbara left their home and went five hours away and hosted. Um, if you're a one seat at this point, you host. Now, could that change for Ole Miss and State going forward? I guess I, the way if you read that NCAA statement, the way it reads is that you cannot host in the state of Mississippi because um, it's unsafe for players to play there under the current state flag. Have your opinion of that? Whatever. That's how it reads. So that tells me that if Ole Miss wanted to go to Memphis and host, they could. If State wanted to go to Hoover and host it, they could. I think if Alabama's not hosting, a team could go to Tuscaloosa and probably host. Alabama's not going to turn down free money. Um, so, you know, I think they could host there uh, at those two places. But it is insane that I have to utter those sentences. I mean, that's just insane. You're going to turn down money for the cities of Starkville, Hattiesburg, Cleveland, um, and Oxford over a piece of cloth. Like, that just doesn't register in my brain. Yeah, and adding on to that, you bring up the economic impact and the economic aspect of things. There's really no telling what football season is going to look like in terms Um, of who's allowed to go to games or not. And then you bring up how Ole Miss is going to have one of their better teams ever, if not their best under five. State should be really good, too. Uh, to being completely honest, I'm not 100% sure what Southern Miss looks like next year. But on the heels of a pandemic in which these towns that are not very big have already been pretty devastated economically by this pandemic, 
you're going to roll that possibly happening next year when they could have hosted a regional and tons of people would have come through the town and that's just not happening? That just does not seem very smart. No, I mean, look, I, I, you can have your opinion on, on the, you know, oppression view of the flag. I, I think, I think we, I mean, th- whatever, from an economic standpoint, I don't understand it. Like, I, I just do not understand it. I, I think the flag should be changed beyond economic reasons, but I don't understand how a person can look at this from an economical standpoint and say, you know what, we should probably keep that. Like, like just change it to a picture of Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach holding hands. I don't know. But I know if you did that, you would improve your state economically, and, and I would think that would be important to some people. Yeah, you, one would think so. And outside of that, just like a, a, a general observation, I don't consider myself any sort of artistic mind or designer, but it kind of looks crappy. It just looks weird. It's got like the weird box. Like you could make a much cooler flag, whether it's the Stennis flag or I've seen two or three other designs. Just objectively, if I were an alien and dropped from here from outer space and had no idea what the stars and bars were, like the other three, two, three flag designs I've seen look better than it regardless. It looks much more attractive. I would wear a shirt of that or a hat of that, like the yeah. Magnolia flag or the Sinus flag or whatever. It's much more appeasing. You think like I'm sure state flag like merchandising isn't like a huge thing, but like you could have people rep the flag more often, you would think. Yeah. I mean, because if you. I mean, I'm never wearing that current state flag. I'm, first of all, I'm never flying it or having a flag of it in my room. Second, no, of I'm course not. Wearing, I'm not never wearing a T-shirt with it. You bring something cool to the state. Yeah, absolutely. I get it. Um, I thought and you had the schools re- could kind of incorporate it into uniform sure. teams and stuff if it looks cool and like correct, like correctly. I'm not saying that would happen, but you remember a couple of years ago when state had those helmets that had like the cursive Mississippi thing, and I don't know where that's from exactly. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. What what is that? Like the they, they were silver helmets, whatever. It had I, anyway. I'm going blank here, but like you could see uniform schemes that are kind of uh, kind of modified off that. Like there's other possibilities. It just seems like refusal to change it is just holding a lot of things and a lot of people, and really just in like beyond sports, it's holding the state back. Yep, and I I, I don't understand the rationale behind it. I mean, it, it, it's unfortunate. I mean, I guess gun to your head, this, this session ends Friday. Do you think it gets changed or not? So we had this conversation. You texted me last week about this. And me just, I'm not basing this off of anything. And maybe I'm overestimating things here. But if you dangle the carrot that is college sports in front of people in this state, it seems like enough powerful people care about college athletics and wanting the teams in this state to do well all teams and being able to host, you would think that would push the needle forward and it would just end up happening. Like I just, I have trouble imagining a world where Mike Bianco is loading up his guys to go up to Memphis at AutoZone Park or somewhere next year to host a regional because of a piece of cloth, but maybe I'm just being naive and that could very well happen. I just have a hard time believing that. Uh, And being a guy that's not, totally well-versed in state government and like predicting what's going to happen. That is just my general uh, mind frame on it. What about you? Does it concern you that all of this came out Thursday and Friday? um, And there's been very little, um, I guess it it feels like very little momentum come out of Jackson because I don't see a whole lot of people advocating wanting it changed right now. Um, I would think over 72 hours, you would see a lot of that if those threats and ultimatums got to people. 
yeah, I guess I would. My answer would be yes, but also, I am not exactly sure. Outside of you know, governor, lieutenant governor, where else to look for momentum? Because I did see uh, the representative that represents Oxford yep. in the state yep. uh, state legislature uh, voiced his thoughts on it yesterday, and obviously he was for changing the clock. Clay Deweese, I believe his name yeah, is. Both and it both was great. Of Oxford uh, came out and said that they wanted it changed. So you're seeing that, and whether that counts as momentum, I'm not sure. Again, yeah. I don't know how this is going to shake out. I just go back to: Are they really loading up the baseball team to go play a regional in Hoover I mean, in Memphis next year over a flag? Um, I think you had a really good, uh, really good idea. Just it, it, maybe not even Lamonis. Just just send five and Cohen down there. Just, just so I'm starting to folks. Yes, just five and, and then, Cohen. I, I would think Polk still has most of his okay. fastball yeah. when it comes to getting his point across to umpires. And he's a volunteer assistant in the athletic department with State now. Yeah. Put him yeah. in there, too. Uh, yeah. Scott Berry seems like almost too nice, but I'm not saying he couldn't get mad at an umpire. Put him, whoever, in there, and then just have him explain it to the decision makers like their umpires on why this is bad. I think Mike <laughs> would get the job done. Yeah, just let Mike lead it. You know, he's still he's still coaching right now. Um, Cohen, Cohen and Polk have stepped away for a little while. I've seen Mike lose his mind a few times. I think he could probably get his point across. You've seen him. I haven't. <laughs> I, uh, I've got a couple more thoughts on this from a player's side because something relevant happened today. Sure. Granted, it wasn't yep. an old Miss player. But uh, first, let's take a break real quick, and then I'll finish that up, and then we'll get to the Eli stuff. Going to take a minute briefly in this edition of Talk of Champions with Brian Scott Rippey and Colin Brister to let you hear from BNA Bank and Mosquito Marshals, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. Kind of wrapping up this flag, uh, I guess, debate discussion, Earlier today, as before we start, or earlier, excuse me, earlier this week before we started recording, I saw a post from Mississippi State running back Kylan Hill say, it's time I'm not representing the state of Mississippi unless the flag gets changed on a quote tweet 
from Tate Reeves, uh, quote tweeting Tate Reeves saying that. And while granted, I guess there's room for interpretation as to what that exactly means because it is rather vague. This is kind of playing into a, tr- a trend and a theme you're seeing across the country. Uh, really, there's a broader conversation to be had here about athletes at the pro and college level realizing the power they have and it trickling down from the professional ranks to the college ranks. But you're particularly seeing it with college athletes now and college football players kind of realizing the power they have, whether it was the Mike Gundy situation uh, the other the other week or things like this. And this is the one of the best, if not the best running backs in the SEC, one of the best, if not the best player on Mississippi State's football team, voicing his frustration and kind of trying to use his power and influence and I just wonder if you'll see more of this yeah uh, I think I think you hit on it, it, it it's a deal where people and and uh or kids and and, and football players and ha- have realized that they have power to do you know pretty much whatever they want if we're being like if if Chubb uh, what what was the kid's name at Oklahoma State Chuba Hubbard Chuba Hubbard says, hey, look, I'm not playing if Mike Gundy doesn't do this, this, this. Uh, and he has, you know, a collection of teammates that go along with him. Well, Mike Gundy's going to do this, this, and this. And it plays into this with Colin Hill. I mean, look, it, it, it's not Ole Miss and Mississippi State's fault. Neither school uh, fly the flag. But I was about to say, it, both schools have it in years. Both schools have stopped flying the flag to their credit. Yeah, yeah, five years. Um, but – what happens if, if Colin Hill has a collection of teammates that say the same thing and that happens at Ole Miss? Are you really going to look at that football stadium and not have enough players to play because of a piece of cloth? Like, you would hope, and my hope is this does put enough pressure on them to change the flag, but reality is I, I don't I don't necessarily think it will. Like, I think there's going to be some legislators in, in, in that capital in Jackson who are going to say, no, we're not going to bow to pressure that may have considered changing the flag before it looks like, you know, they're being made to change the flag, if that makes sense. That's fair. And is the sentiment maybe slightly misguided just to the point that you brought up that they, the, the universities have stopped flying it. Like, like it's been, it hasn't been flown at the schools and to their credit, like you mentioned earlier, it's not really their fault. But also, like I didn't, I don't think that should dilute Hill's message or anyone else who no. kind of speaks out on it at no. all. It's just going to be fascinating to see if that gains momentum at all. Because I was having a conversation with someone last week uh, who does not live in this state, and this is when this was kind of all making national news. And that he had asked if anyone at Ole Miss's program had voiced con- concern or frustration over it. And if you'll remember, a couple of weeks ago, Ole Miss grad transfer tight end Kenny Yaboa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he had a tweet or something like that. It was like, I can't yeah. believe the place I play, like the school I play at, its state flag still has the Confederate battle emblem on it. And I had kind of looked at that a couple weeks ago and thought that might gain some steam. And it didn't seem to. That doesn't mean like no one else was speaking out or upset by it. It just didn't seem it didn't make the splash that maybe I originally thought it would. You've seen Ryder Anderson, who's really kind of emerged. Um, really just in the last month as, as, as obvious team leader guy and very outspoken on a lot of things and credit to him. I just wonder if you're going to see more of this. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a fair question. Um, like we've said earlier, athletes are starting to realize the, the power that they do have. Um, I think if you expect things to stay status quo um, and how they've always gone about and with athletes just kind of falling into line and doing what 
coaches and, and administrators say, I, I think you're probably not going to like the next few years and how that goes about. Um, you know, and, and there's going to be some natural pullback to that too, but uh, we'll see. I, I do think it's interesting with Hill because it's not changed. I don't think there's necessarily stopping some Ole Miss players from saying the same thing. Um, and I, I agree. I just wonder if you actually end up missing games because of it. Yeah, that, that'll be the turning point, assuming we have a season. My, here's my question. How does Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach handle it? Because I think you've got to support those kids at that point. I don't think you can pull scholarships. I, th- I think you've got to. No, you got to you back your dudes yeah. on that. that. That would not be a, a wise move from a yeah. public relations standpoint. And it's just the right thing to do. Agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's if if more kids than Hill speak out on this, I, I think it gets really, really interesting. Yep. I agree. It's been a fascinating week in this state, and I guess we'll just kind of uh, kind of have to play wait and see, like you mentioned, to see if there's actually any momentum to get this done and, and whether whether this happens or not. Um, elsewhere, Eli Manning has his number retired, and I saw this announcement today. There was a cool video online of Keith Carter going over to, uh, maybe it was Eli's house. Archie and the whole family were over there in Oxford and kind of announcing it and, and telling him that his number is going to be retired. I just, uh, I was a little surprised this hasn't already happened. I mean, good on him for doing it, but I just kind of looked up. My first instinct was, wait, this isn't already retired, but good on him for doing it. This is, uh, this is going to be, uh, it, the ceremony will be at the prior or at halftime of the Ole Miss Auburn game this year. But, uh, I mean, hot take here. Well-deserved. I think he earned it. <laughs> You think? Um, so wait, what what does this mean for John Rice Plumley? So I saw Nate Gabler said he got confirmation from this uh, when the announcement was made that they, if they so choose, he and because you remember Jacques Jones wears yeah. it on defense. Jacques Jones is changing his. Um, he so, is. Yeah. Okay, I, I believe I they have the option to wear it for the rest of their careers if okay. they so wish. Now, if they change it on their own, obviously they could change it on their own. But I believe. Uh, they are they are given that option to do so. Not not sure how Plumley can. Uh, I mean, not sure how really any quarterback not named Chad Kelly can wear ten and you know wear wear Eli Manning's retired jersey. Uh, I don't I don't want to specify Plumley in that, but man, that'd be hard to do. <laughs> I mean, you've got a jersey retired for the one of the best, maybe in my opinion, the best quarterback that's played at Ole Miss, and and you kind of wear his jersey till your career runs out. I think I'd probably just change if I was Plumley. Yeah, and it's it brings up an interesting thing because it almost feels like like I'm not big into like like these kind of theories, but is there anything into the fact that Chad Kelly feels a little bit underappreciated because he wore number ten? I tend to more buy stock in the fact that his last year was just a teetotal disaster with everything around him, despite how productive he was. He gets hurt, doesn't get to finish the year. Like he didn't have a happy ending. Like his apex was the 2015 Sugar Bowl, right? And so it's because his career didn't have kind of a, a, a rosy ending, that's probably more so of it. But I do wonder if there's a little bit of the, the 10 factor to it. Yeah, no, that's, that's certainly fair. I, I saw people, you know, saying that, uh, you know, include, include Chad when you're retiring. And, and it's like, no, uh, but I mean, uh, Chad was obviously very, very good. Um, I, I just kind of think that Eli's jersey should have been retired a long time ago. Um, you know, when you look back and, and what he's done for the program, I guess maybe you didn't want to do it until he retired from the NFL, um, whatever. But I just kind of feel like this should have been done a decent while ago. Now, I guess in saying that, 
how do you really have a ceremony for him when he's not able to come to Oxford really during the football season as well? And that's a good point. I think, and I don't know this by any, this is just a guess, but this has to have coincided with his retirement from the NFL as well, and him being able to soak it in and enjoy it more. I One of the things I was more surprised about, and I guess I maybe subconsciously knew this, but just never really thought about it, not really an easy club to get into. His father, Archie, and Chucky Mullins are the only other two retired numbers. I yeah. guess you can't get too crazy with it because eventually you're going to start running out of numbers and you got to put a bunch of dudes on the field in college. Yeah. It's not like a 53-man roster in the NFL. The Yankees are kind of running into that. Have you read any about that? The, uh, all the numbers, the numbers the Yankees have retired? No, but that would be hilarious if they had to start going to like triple digits or decimals <laughs> or something. I mean, judges were not 99. very true but yeah i just two only two other guys and obviously both well deserved for their own reasons i was just uh i don't know for whatever reason like that struck me as short i thought it might be a guy or two longer yeah no that's 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 three though um i wonder if uh eli gets the speed limit oh where are you gonna put 10 miles an hour though that's that's really gonna where would that be most annoying fraternity or sorority road yeah, like what road yeah, on yeah. campus does someone yeah, fly down yeah, fr- that fraternity 10 miles row. an hour would just fraternity make row. everyone mad yeah you know they put the stop sign by uh by the tennis courts just because people would fly down that road yes and that part it's not even a real road but that parking lot between the tennis courts and whatever and I, that building is yeah. you know, people when you're walking to class as a student, people haul through that parking lot. I'm all for making that 10 miles an hour because I've almost gotten clipped a couple of times when I was a student there. <laughs> so we're just hatching good ideas left and right on this one. Let's, uh, let's here, let's, uh, take one more break and then let's do, I'm just putting you on the spot here. Favorite Eli moments because, okay. or I guess most memorable because we're around the same age, but I think there's actually a pretty, pretty distinct gap and uh, how vividly remember the two, despite only being two years apart. Let's take a quick break in this edition of Talk of Champions with Brian Scott Rippey and Colin Brister to remind you, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. The podcast is also available in SoundCloud and Spotify to simply search Talk of Champions. Brian Scott Rippey, myself, Ben Garrett, we write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at brennanchapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford in Olive Branch. So Eli Manning, four years at Ole Miss. His accomplishments really kind of speak for themselves. What jumps off right. just when I say memorable Eli Manning moments, what's the first one so, that comes to so your the, mind? The first one has to be like, uh, so, you know, his 
freshman year, he re- I think he red shirts in 2000. Or maybe he doesn't. No, he doesn't red shirt. He doesn't red shirt. He, uh, he sits behind Romero in 2000, right? Um, and they go to the Music City Bowl, and they're just getting slaughtered. It's Romero's last game. I mean, just uh, West Virginia, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Eli brings them within, I think, eight points after being down by like 30 going into the fourth quarter. And you just look at that cat and you're like, oh, this is going to be real. Because <laughs> um, uh, then, oh, one, he's not as great as you kind of, you know, expect him to be. And then his last two years just, just take off. And the thing with Eli, too, I, look, he had, I think, Mike Espy uh, was maybe his best receiver over that time, maybe Bill Flowers. But he didn't have just a ton of guys that were, I mean, the best receiver on his team was his backup quarterback. Um, so you didn't have just a ton of guys that, you know, were exceedingly talented. And this dude just puts up numbers. I mean, you think about the drive and I think, oh, one against Alabama uh, where he hits Joe Gunn out of the backfield to win the game. Uh, the drive against Auburn is, is the one that I'll always remember. He hits the, the wheel route, I think, to Stackhouse. Just it's the best college football throw I had seen at that point in my life. Obviously, I was ten years old, but I can remember it vividly. Uh, just an obscene throw, and and Stackhouse takes him down to the eight. Eli scores. Uh, Obamanu drops a pass in the end zone for Auburn. Um, obviously, the Cotton Bowl in 03 was up there too. And then you know beating Florida. Uh, this doesn't get enough play for me. It, he beat Florida down in the swamp in 03, and people just seem somehow to forget that game. He beat them in Oxford in 02 with Grossman as well. Yep, yep. Beat them in 02 and then went to the Swamp in 03 and 1. I mean, th- there were just countless memories. Um, the 03 team. It's funny. The best the best two teams Ole Miss has had over the past 20 years uh, lost to Memphis. So, Yes, they did. <laughs> um, a four-year-old me was actually at the Music City Bowl that year. I, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there. Not a ton of vivid recollections of that game. Very <laughs> Very faint, but I was indeed present for that one as a kid. Just rolling through his numbers here, his sophomore season, which is his first full season starting. Did you know he played in six games in 2000? I would not have remembered that. I didn't know he played in six. I knew he played in some, but six is a big number. Probably, what, four of your non-conference kind of cupcakes and then obviously the bowl game and maybe one more. But, I mean, he – he only threw, I mean, he completed 28 passes through 53, but sophomore season in 2001, he throws for 2,900 yards, 31 touchdowns, and nine picks. The next season in 02, he's at 3,400 yards, 21 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions. And then his last year, he just goes nuts for 3,600 yards, 29 touchdowns, 10 picks, 62. For completion percentage, his highest actually for his career was his sophomore year at one. He was at 63.5, right. 58 in that little dip in the middle. And then maybe the most impressive stat of all, uh, this is your co- how they accumulate college rushing statistics and how dumb it is, particularly as it pertains to quarterbacks. <laughs> Junior year, 39 rushes, negative 120, but two scores. <laughs> uh, senior year, 48 rushes for negative 28 yards. So much better, only negative 0.6 yards per carry instead of negative <laughs> three yards per carry and three scores. But uh, as I guess- far as what what sticks out for me, for him wise, and this is what I was talking about, the age difference. So I would have been anywhere from six to eight for his three years, eight years old for his three years he was here. To whereas you would have been what seven to ten? Yeah, seven to ten. 
or eight to, yeah, whatever it is. I just, I feel like there's a pretty good gap in terms of what you remember cognitively in there. Cause I do remember yeah. a decent bit of Eli's career, very much more so 2002. And I remember 2003 much more vividly, but like when I got to like the eight, nine age, I have a much more vivid recollection of Ed Orgeron's time here <laughs> than I did the O two and O three seasons at Ole Miss. And I'm sure that's just the age range, but you named off a couple in O two and 2001 that like I know happened, but don't have a huge memory of them. Yeah, no, and I'm kind of like that, and that makes sense because the 90 – I don't really remember the 2000 season with Romero. I remember the uh, the, the Music City Bowl, um, but I don't remember, like, Romero's first three years, 97 to 99. So that, that age gap uh, probably probably makes sense. But, yeah, so so your first recollection of, uh, you know, being indoctrinated into Ole Miss was the uh, three-headed quarterback monster that, uh, that Ed Orgeron had. That is pretty much correct. So I remember a lot of the 03 season. If you were asking me, just like make me blurt out and answer most memorable thing of Eli when, uh, in my mind, it was definitely the Auburn game and the way that ended with the drive and the dropped pass. I actually remember maybe just because I was present for the game, the 02 game against Florida with Grossman, than I do the yep. next year, them going down there Thanks. and winning. And I wonder if that one's just overshadowed because the 08 trip, their next trip to the Swamp was so memorable in the way they beat Tebow. But uh, I remember that one. I remember him losing in a duel to Texas Tech early in the 03 season. That was one of their three losses that year. That game was just very crazy. And uh, he put up – I need to look up his numbers in that game. I had him pulled up at Graham, one time and just or, was, forgot. No, that wasn't, was that Kingsbury that went insane that game? No, so it was not Cliff Kingsbury because I've had this debate or discussion with somebody before. And Kingsbury was, was 02. Yes. Uh, and didn't Ole Miss go out there and get absolutely whacked by yes. that? They got, they got whacked when, out there, when they went out there. Kingsbury was the quarterback in 02. I don't know who was in 03. It's someone, B.J. Simons. He threw for 661 right. yards and six touchdowns as a Texas Tech one in Oxford. And this is this is 2003, mind you. This is not 2013. 661 yards and six touchdowns as Texas Tech uh, beats Ole Miss in Oxford, 49 to 45. Whatever reason, I remember a lot of that game. I remember, unfortunately, for a lot of Ole Miss people, the the 2003 LSU game and them on would have going to Atlanta uh, had a couple missed field goals and then Eli trips over his line and the way that game ended the way that game started versus the way it ended was pretty yeah. crazy because what was the kid's name Travis Johnson Travis runs Johnson. The, it's the loudest I've ever heard about him anyway including I would have to agree 14. with you there and the add-ons had not even happened at that point obviously yeah, yeah. it's the loudest I'd ever heard it pretty uh Pretty remarkable, uh, pretty remarkable year that year was. That was just a crazy year uh, in a team that caught fire. But uh, I remember that. I remember a couple others. I remember – so I, I probably told this story before, but was it 01 or 02, the seven-overtime game against Arkansas? 01. I was on the sidelines for that. I remember that so vividly. I was in the Grove with my family, and about 45 minutes before kickoff, my dad is about to take us into the stadium – and I'm like seven or six at this point. <laughs> so I have two brothers that are even younger. And I take a sip of a Coca-Cola, like the drink. Yeah. And there was a bee in it. And I swallowed the bee and oh, it stung man. me on my tonsils uh, in there. And of course, I start freaking out and I'm unable to articulate that, you know, a bee just stung uh, 
the hell inside of my throat. And so I start screaming and yelling and no one's what's going on. Cause how does a six year old articulate that a bee just went nuts? And, how did you, how'd you get it out? Uh, like, well, no, I didn't. I, 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 I swallowed it. And that was really the conclusion we came to. Cause it was, just, I guess there's really no proof uh, that I, it was actually a bee, but I, it was, it had happened to someone else or something like that, that that was kind of the conclusion. And so I got loaded up with Benadryl um, to kind of stop the swelling in my throat. And then I ended up staying up for all six or seven overtimes or whatever it was. Did you go um, to the game? Yes, I did. So we went into a, a the, I guess at the time it was called the alumni house, but the end it'll miss a friend of ours. I don't remember if the guy was a doctor or he just had Benadryl or something, but I took that and something else. And they told me I'd be out by the first quarter, but I insisted on going to the game anyway. And I was up for all all of the overtimes. I watched and that of game course start, long. start to finish. Yeah, they did. So <laughs> uh, just a memorable uh, – that was definitely a memorable moment for Eli's career. But then – so what's interesting about Eli to me as he transitions from Ole Miss to professional football is I think even in the day and age of player empowerment that we live in now, the whole uh, – to, in my mind, and whether this is rightly so or not, the the way that he kind of he and Archie kind of navigated his way out of San Diego to New York, I don't think would have played well in the age of social media. What are your thoughts on this? No, it probably doesn't go well. Um, I don't necessarily blame Eli and Archie for doing that though, because I don't think he has the career that he did um, in San Diego. I mean, look at Phil Rivers. Phil Rivers is a it's a transcendent talent and a great quarterback. Yeah. And he's just not even really remembered in the same era. And you've got to think that's – I mean, look at the Chargers now and look what that organization has kind of devolved into. It it, it was definitely uh, strategic, and I guess you can't say not smart. No. I mean, if you have leverage I'm, – I'm a big proponent of this. If you have leverage, use it. Um, it's, what, it's what some people are doing with Mississippi State flag right now. Um, I, I will never fault another human being for – for using leverage. And I don't really think we probably should fault other people. If you, if you have it, use it. They did as mad as you want to get at them. I mean, get mad at them. I think if Eli Manning was in the 2019 NFL draft, um, and, and the same situation arose, I don't think they would have been scared of social media back then. I think they would have done the exact same thing. No, the backlash would have been worse, but I think, I think Archie still takes care of his kid too. I agree. I think the backlash would have been far greater, but I, I think they I think they do that anyways. So is, is it just me? That doesn't get talked about a lot though. No, it doesn't at all. And it, I'm glad it doesn't, but it, it it doesn't. Well, I mean, if he doesn't win two Super Bowls and his career is not memorable and that's kind of a defining moment, then I feel like it gets talked about enough. But so much happened since and his place in professional football history is so hilariously awesome to me beating what is considered the greatest of all time quarterback in one of the greatest, probably the greatest dynasty in NFL football history twice in the Super Bowl, one time to, to prevent an, a 19 and 0 perfect season. Yeah. Like that is just, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a place to assume your place in history. Uh, he, he, I, in my opinion, he will get voted into the hall of fame. Yeah, I kind that, of find that, that debate a little bit silly. Would, if you have that, multiple that Super Bowls, that debate is, is dumb to me. It just dumb. I agree. If he doesn't have the second one, I'll entertain it. But sure. the man's got two Super Bowls, beat Bill Belichick and Tom Brady twice. He's getting into the Hall of Fame. And anyone who says otherwise, I just think is trying to be an antagonist. Maybe I'm wrong. If that if that actually happens, I would be I would be shocked. He's or getting it. Happen, it I should say. might not be first ballot. He will be in the Hall of Fame. 
Agree. But what a place to have in just the, the, the realms <laughs> of football history. Like, Oh, man. Beat, beat uh, Tom Brady twice and, and, you know, doesn't really do a whole lot in many other years in the playoffs. No, and I feel like an aspect that doesn't really get talked about enough when it pertains to Eli, him having the career he did and winning two Super Bowls, given who his dad is and who his brother is, yeah. is to me almost more impressive. How yeah. you not don't get swallowed up in the shadows of all of that? I mean, he is distinctly Eli, and Peyton is distinctly Peyton, and Archie is distinctly Archie. Because, But that is not easy to do. That is not easy to accomplish, and obviously it comes from winning at the highest level and the two rings speaking more so than anything else for you know a professional football franchise in the biggest city in the United States. But yeah. it's not easy to do. And him going all of those years without any sort of media controversy in that Northeastern media market, New York in particular, is also impressive. That's the I was just thinking about that. Did he have any type of scandal or anything? Nothing that sticks in your mind over time. Now, is there something small along Maybe. the way? I don't remember it. Maybe. But the fact that you don't have one that sticks out in your mind at all or you there really was can't even like, think to look up. There was some autograph memorabilia stuff that he got tied to. But I think that's like it. And I can't even remember the whole story about that. Goodness. To do that for, what, 17 years? And, to only, and that's the only thing that can come to mind? That's pretty impressive. And then he retires and has a really cool moment at like the end of his career and walking off the field at, yeah. at MetLife and all that. And then he joins Twitter and is a legend at that as well. He's so good at Twitter. So I'll contend the people that are best at Twitter now in terms of athlete Twitter, and there are certain exceptions. There are some guys that are just funny and are good on Twitter. But the guy athlete, like just athlete in general, who joins Twitter late and doesn't really understand how it works is honestly the best way to use it. Now, Phil Mickelson comes to mind where he just makes those weird videos where it's just him or his fireside chats or whatever. But then Eli joining and kind of being new to it and just staying incredibly lighthearted on an app that's often just a cesspool of negativity. Like those type of dudes seem to know how to use Twitter better. And those are my favorite Twitter users. <laughs> is Peyton on Twitter? That's a great question. I don't know. If Peyton's on Twitter, he would be really good. I don't think he is. I think I would have noticed it. I think I'd have followed him by now. I'm looking it up as we speak. Peyton Manning does not appear to be on Twitter. All right, we got. That's actually wild. I did. I would have guessed that. That. To yeah, I'm telling. He'd been on there before Eli. Interesting. So yeah, Peyton Manning not on Twitter. But if he were, he would be blocked by Ben Roethlisberger. I can promise you that. <laughs> yeah. not, wait, wait. I don't. I don't guess I get it. But do they? They not like each other. No, no, Ben Roethlisberger blocks everyone. It's actually it was a story oh. last week where he started unblocking people. That His first decade and a half or what, or decade on Twitter since he got one, because it's run by his team and not him, he is blo he blocks literally everyone. Like every, It's like a badge of honor to wear. <laughs> Seriously, he blocks everybody. He must be the guy, and I'm dead serious, there are people that do this, that block somebody because they tweet something mean at you, which, okay, that's fine, and then they'll go block all of their followers. That had to be yes. what Roethlisberger did. Probably so. And you know it's not him running the account because, like, the bio's in third person. And then I think he even says, like, this is run by his team, whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> I don't you, think he's referring to his teammates. How can you not run your own Twitter? <laughs> these last realm of quarterbacks, these guys that are in their upper 30s now that came into the league. I mean, hell, Eli, we're talking about Eli and Ben here being in the same draft. 
these are kind of the last like superstar athletes that didn't really have to have social media, you know, like they didn't really grow up in that age. Eli comes out of the draft in 2004. He's got, I know Twitter was founded in 2008, but that's seven, eight years before Twitter actually becomes Twitter. (laughs) So he's halfway through his career before it's even a prominent thing, which is just kind of wild to like think about because, you know, every athlete has one now and that's how you kind of use your brand and with all of these athletes become becoming more and more spoken out on uh, on it, not just social issues but just anything in general whether it's contracts and disputes and stuff like that um it's kind of crazy to think about but that era really just never really had to have it it just wasn't around for long enough i, I imagine by the time that it came around they just didn't see the use in it we'll get right back to brian scott rippey and colin brister in this edition of talk of champions after i tell you briefly about alan samuels chrysler dodge jeep ram of oxford and chinese pharmacy We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle, I don't like to negotiate, I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue that's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Get back to the, the or, or wrapping up on this one, I guess. Um, he'll have his jersey retired, I think, at the Auburn game, which is the second home game. Hopefully, there will be fans in the stands. I, If there's not fans in the stands, I would kind of hope they delay that ceremony. Um, I, I don't know. I, look, real quick, do you anticipate fans in the stands? I don't know. And I've been firm in the I don't know camp because this, this all this stuff changes so often that – I don't know what that's going to be like in September. I think there will be some. I think there will be – I'll say partial capacity is what I'll go with. I'll go half full. Okay. I, I just – I struggle, and, and I 
that's what I did was kind of unfair to you because I struggled to talk about three months in the future because we didn't know what this was going to look like three months ago. I mean, we'd had no idea. That's um, exactly so, what I'm saying. Like, I, yeah. you don't know what it could be different by the end of July. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have an answer by the end of July, though. I think you have to have one because you got to yeah. figure out what to do about season tickets and single game t- tickets and giving people refunds. I agree. I think by the end of July, you have to have an answer. Yeah. If you don't, Godspeed. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. That that one's going to be fascinating. I, I'm interested, and I know nobody really cares about this. I'm interested to see how you, how you guys are going to be able to cover it. Are they going to let you go interview somebody face to face? I've got to, I don't really think they are. Someone asked me this last week, and if you, you've covered games before, so the midweek stuff, obviously, going to practice and stuff like that is a lot different than the game coverage. Mm-hmm. But I'm just thinking about it from a football game coverage perspective. For Ole Miss home games, you go in a press box, and this will probably change because Lane Kiffin is the head coach now, but unless Ole Miss is nationally relevant, the, the press box is not always jam-packed full. No, and no. you're spaced out decent bit. And so I feel like you could work around that and that's not an issue. And then in the post game, you go to these gigant, you go to the big team meeting room where there's plenty of seating and, and guys are plenty spaced out. Cause I guess we just don't like each other enough to sit next to one another, but then they're passing the microphone around and you're 10, 15 to your four or five rows back 20, 30 feet away from players talking at the table, or I guess the coach, because then they let us walk up and do breakouts right. with players. I just wonder if they do everyone like the head coach press conference after the game. The kicker here is when you run into road games and you go to places like Auburn and they basically stuff you in a makeshift closet uh, as your <laughs> post-game room, because most most colleges don't have like like huge away accommodations for press conferences. Sure. I mean, that's not that's kind of the norm. So those are kind of my thoughts on it. I think you could get away with it at home games. The road games would be interesting. Do you do it out on the field and you just stand far back? I think you could get around it and do it. I, I, I get what you're saying. My, and I've always been in this camp or since this has started. Why not just do everything on Zoom? I mean, can you ask questions on Zoom? I presume you can. And if you can, why, why do you need to be there? I, uh, I see what you're saying, and I think you could get away with that for the most part, particularly uh, with midweek stuff. But I will – and this is a small detail, and if it ends up going to Zoom, I'm not going to be a guy who complains about it. But to me, after games, because these games are so emotional, when you when, – after a win or a loss, like to me being in person, particularly with the head coach, and I noticed this with Matt Luke several times, you can kind of gauge the state of like – how he how he is and like sure. the team and all that by being in the room with them. But again, that's just a smaller like subjective detail that you get from in person stuff. But like if what you're talking about, if like they don't let you go to practice and they do all of that virtual, you could easily get away with all your midweek stuff in particular being virtual. I think that does get cut down some at, at least. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think many things are going to look normal. I mean, I'm, I'm teaching and in the fall. And, and I don't think my classroom is going to look normal. I, I think there's going to be drastic changes there. I, I think I'm interested to see what the new normal looks like, because I think uh, the thought that we're just going to, you know, go back to, and, and look, I'm not ex- enunciating an opinion on COVID. Um, but I do think there's going to be drastic changes in it and how we do everyday life after this too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the normal when we come back is, I think, at least for a long while, like there are going to be things that are permanently changed. 
I certainly agree with that. Like normal, I don't think normal is going to be 100% ever what it was again as it pertains to some of this stuff. I'm just curious what, like, how close of a version of normal we eventually get back to. Because, like, I don't know. I mean, is the, I mean even as simple as, is the handshake dead for forever? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But, man, do, wait, do, do we have coaches' handshakes after games? That's what I'm wondering. Because if you go with, like, the Jim Harbaugh versus Jim Schwartz, that game where he, like, slapped <laughs> him on the back because he was real pumped up, like, that's yeah. not social distancing. You can't do that anymore. So, I don't know. All this is going to be fascinating, and it's going to be chaotic, and it's going to be interesting to cover. I'm just not sure if it's going to be necessarily, quote-unquote, fun, because I think it's going to be incredibly hard to follow and incredibly chaotic. But who knows? This thing yeah. this thing is going to look a lot different than we're used to seeing. But uh, last thing we have to get to is Ole Miss got a transfer – from, I uh, just missed it. I've just pulled up. This happened as we were recording. Transfer Tavius Robinson from Canada. He's a six foot eight, two hundred and fifty pound defensive end, and will be immediately eligible. You talk about a position of need. Uh, this is what this is it for Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, defensive line's not great. Um, I didn't know really much about this kid before today. Um. God knows Ole Miss needs defensive linemen immediately eligible. Uh, pretty big kid. So uh, good on Lane Kiffin for getting him because, my God, do they need depth there. Yes, they do. So he's got three years to play two, immediately eligible. And then when you lose a guy um, like uh, Tariqus Tisdale, like this is this only plays into it, right? Like I mean, this this is exactly what you need. I said Tariq to Sisdale, Chuck Wiley. Sorry, yeah, that uh, that threw me for a loop there. <laughs> Tariq Sisdale is not transferring. Please oh, don't go run with that. Yeah, please, Chuck please Wiley. That. Sorry, uh, but anyway, yeah. I mean, this is another added depth piece for Ole Miss at a position that badly needs it. Thinking about what you lost last year versus what you're bringing back, uh, I think he's gonna. Have, I don't know what like this is gonna look like and how he's gonna get. Uh, kind of acclimated to things on a very time crunch frame, but uh, all things considered, I think he's got to play, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. There's not much option. I mean, uh, the depth. Somebody's going to get hurt. I mean, yeah, yeah. He w- he will be on the field for the Ole Miss Rebels in 2020, assuming the Ole Miss Rebels take the field. Yeah, I mean, you lose Kadir Shepard, you lose Coatney, Benito Jones. I'm just naming defensive linemen in general, obviously. You lose Brendan Williams. Like, they, there's a lot coming off of that defensive line. And I named, you know, three guys there that were technically, quote unquote, outside linebackers last year, but pseudo defensive ends. Uh, you got a pretty good exterior pass rusher in Sam Williams, who I think is going to take a pretty big leap this year in terms of draft stock and really pop. Um, but outside of that, you kind of need a guy like this in a, a huge body frame at six foot eight, 250. If you can kind of get him opposite of Williams and, and, and rush the passer. Because you saw, like, the last time Ole Miss really, really struggled with an exterior pass rush was 2018, and you saw what that defense looked like. Like, it was not good. They just couldn't get after the quarterback. And right. so, I don't know what this guy's going to end up being, but if nothing else, it's a good depth piece. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, defensive line is not uh, – doesn't have a ton of depth. So, anything they can add right now is certainly going to help. He, he's going to play, and he's going to play immediately. And um, – at absolute worst, he's a warm body that you can put out there. And at this point, Ole Miss is kind of running low on those from a defensive line perspective. 
Yes, they are. And so I don't know. That's going to be interesting to kind of see what the, what kind of depth because they did have some young guys that never really stuck last year in terms like they had a couple of guys get into the mix in camp and never really cracked like the defensive line rotation. So if and when we're able to get out on the field and kind of see what the one what this defense looks like and who is playing where it's going to be kind of fascinating to see what kind of uh, depth they're able to formulate up there because if you're looking across the field at the entire defense position by position if there's if you made me do one of those little power rankings tomorrow uh where you would feel best where you would feel the worst if you're following Ole Miss this year from a defensive from a defensive perspective I'm putting the line as the area of most concern without a doubt yeah absolutely uh I think the secondary is going to be okay I think they're going to be actually pretty good at linebacker um, so your ability to breathe on the quarterback is going to be uh, instrumental in the, if they're having success or not. I mean, it just it is what it is. The, the defensive line that they got left, um, and they, you know, I'm not blaming them that in recruiting they didn't they didn't win many defensive line battles. Um, it's hard to do that when you come in in December. Um, so they're going to be they're going to be low there this year, and I'm sure that's something they're really wanting to address in recruiting. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. Is the answer on the other side of the ball, the line, too? Like, areas yeah, of most concern, yeah. areas of least concern? Because last year, like, I don't feel like with all the other crap going on and surrounding that team and kind of the other storylines, one of the things that didn't get talked about is Jack McNell Jr. actually did a pretty decent job of piecing uh, that line together and them being serviceable towards the end of the year. But they never had a major injury, and their depth wasn't really tested at all and they ended up being serviceable, but just they don't feel like a very deep line on that side of the ball this year either. I'm just kind of, I was a little bit impressed with how they ended the year versus Memphis. Cause if you go back and watch that Memphis tape, uh, Matt Corral didn't back. stand a chance. It, it yeah. was rough. And you're sitting there thinking, man, what is on the table this year? If they're not able to block anyone, they got better, but from where they were at the beginning of the year to the end of the year it was rough. And they got very, very lucky and fortunate in the sense that they didn't have uh, any really major injuries at that at up front on the offensive line? Correct. Um, you know, it, it's definitely an area of concern. I think honestly, if if you want to talk about offense, you gotta have a little bit more, you know, a little bit of concern about wide receiver because outside of Elijah Moore, look, Braylon Sanders is a good player if he can stay healthy. Obviously, he battled the hamstring all last year, but behind those two, you really don't know what you got. Yeah, no, you're certainly uh, you're certainly right about that. But that to me, you have like bodies that like you, yeah. you don't know what Gregory is, but he's an interesting prospect. You think Mingo's going to be pretty good? Like the more and more I get detached from last football season, and the further away we get from it, the like less I think about that position being a concern instead of person in, in the. I, I can't talk today. From the personnel standpoint, is more was that scheme just an absolute disaster with Rich Rod. In that passing scheme, I agree. It's definitely a question mark and possibly a position of need. But that's a fascinating one to me because you've got the two Jacksons, you've got Mingo, you've got some interesting pieces that you just never really got to see them develop as prospects because, well, Rich Rod. Yeah. <laughs> and I think if you've listened to us before, you, we, we don't mince words. We didn't think Rich Rod was very good at his job last year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you, you're calling you know, five yard outs to the short side of the field every third and eight, and you're probably not going to have a ton of success. So it's certainly fair to, to wonder if he didn't put them in the best positions. And we'll see, because I do think Lane Kiffin will put them in pretty good positions to have success. 
I think that's about all we had today. We just cruised through a bunch of different topics. That was uh, that was fun. I appreciate yeah. you helping me out. Absolutely, man. This is Talk of Champions. Go like and subscribe, rate and review. I believe the the deal that Ben cuts you is that if you leave a five star review, you can say whatever you want in the comment sections about any of us two or Ben. But go like and subscribe, rate and review. Colin, appreciate it. We appreciate everyone tuning in, and we'll be back at it soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.